we return again today to Luke chapter 6 as we read through these scriptures and we see all the many cautions and warnings that the Lord Jesus gives to us concerning the conduct and the behaviors of all the many people that we interact with each day. We need to always be careful to recognize and to accept that Jesus is not only talking about all those other people. He's also giving many of these same cautions and warnings to us. They are about ourselves. And he's exhorting us to be careful to examine and to make changes in our own behavior. And that same exhortation that's given here in the book of Luke is given to us in the second epistle to the Corinthians in chapter 13, where the Lord, through the Apostle Paul, says these words to the church of that day and consequently to you and me today. He tells them then and you and I now, examine yourselves. You can look and see other people, but he's saying examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, he says. Do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? Now put bluntly, God wants you and me to not only be able to clearly recognize the sinful behavior of other people, we are reminded so much of that behavior as we look back at the days of 911 but also he's speaking here of the behavior of the people that we interact with every day he's saying to us yes clearly recognize the sinful behaviors of those other people but also be able to clearly see ourselves and where we fall short of his holiness now, thankfully, here in this church, being a small congregation, we know each other well, and we've each given a clear witness of a convincing profession of faith in Christ. And because of that, the messages that I give to us each week, they're preached with that understanding that each one of us does know the Lord as our Savior. But from these words of this scripture passage that I'll read for us in a moment, God is still exhorting you and me to regularly examine ourselves and to make sure that our behaviors actually bespeak our Christian testimony and that we intentionally strive to get past the stage of just a want-to-be Christian on into the real thing, the real thing. And no such times of examination should not cause you and me to have doubts or fears about our salvation. If we have truly given our hearts to Christ then these kinds of questions should only serve to make us even more confident about our eternal relationship with the Lord Jesus. And as we're reminded in Scripture passages such as 1 John 5, 13, we can always know with a certainty of our eternal salvation. Those words in 1 John 5, the Lord tells us here, through the Apostle John, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants you and me to know right at this moment that we have eternal life, that if we have Him as our Savior and we died right at this moment, 
that we would immediately be with him in paradise. And these words here that I just read, that you may know that you have eternal life, they speak of a certainty of our confidence. And I want each of us to be confident. And may I also add that I've found that just as with any love relationship that we experience, comfort and assurance comes only as we intentionally and as we continually draw up close in our intimacy. And that is especially so with the Lord Jesus. And I would ask you, are you intimate in your love relationship with the Lord Jesus? Is it an intimate relationship? He wants it to be so. And then also, these scriptures are clear on the matter of salvation, that once we are saved, we can never be unsaved. Are you confident of that? Just because we might ask the Lord about our condition of soul, it will not unsave us. We will remain saved. He speaks of how he holds us in his powerful hand. And you and I will always remain there in that grip of God the Father's hand. Now, with all that being said, may I read for us these words in Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 39. Listen to these. Follow along with me, if you would. Verse 39. And he, this is the Lord Jesus, spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive this log that's in your own eye? And how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove that speck from your eye when you yourself do not see that log that is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the log from your own eye. And then you'll see clearly to remove the speck that's in your brother's eye. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Folks, as I've thought through the questions that these words here provoke, I've been reminded of all the many ways that we in this generation struggle with the simple ability to look within ourselves and to recognize with honesty and humility who we are. We mostly avoid doing that because we don't want to see what's in there. And so we struggle to know who we really are in Christ. Because there seems to be this deep-seated need within each of our hearts, within our personalities, within our egos, to be more than we really are. We want to think of ourselves better than we really are. And for some, that need is irrepressible. And that need comes to the surface often, seeming to show itself most in our conversations. He speaks about that here in these verses. It shows in our conversation. By our using pretentious words, we'll defend some of our questionable behaviors. 
And with other words, we'll seek to elevate ourselves to be someone that we want to be rather than the person that we really are. And that kind of behavior, though, is not new. It's not new to our day. It's been a problem ever since the beginning of time. It was especially present with those ill-chosen decisions made by both the devil as he rebelled against God and then also within the hearts of Adam and Eve as they rejected God's plan for them and they chose their own path. In today's culture, with the advent of the internet and especially with social media, there are many people who strive to rise above their position in life and to become what the internet world would call influencers. Influencers. Those folks are bloggers and YouTubers and other such website talkers. And they seek to gain great numbers of followers and subscribers, both for the purpose of influencing them towards their beliefs, but also at the same time they make money off of their website visits. And while the ambition to do such things and to make a good living financially is not necessarily a bad or a sinful thing, I find questions arising in my own mind about this thing those folks call influence. Is their kind of influence a good thing? And if you follow their influence, is that a good thing for you? Or is it perhaps, just as the Lord is saying here in these words, the blind leading the blind? They seem to be able to clearly see the speck in other people's eyes. So many of those folks that are influencers, they're seeing the speck in other people's eyes. But they're not able to even look at or even want to look at the log within their own eye. As I've questioned these things in my mind, I've recognized that influencing is something that we preachers do every Sunday from this pulpit. And we desire to do that. And then as I would post these messages on my website, I'm doing much the same as those other influencers. And as I've pondered those things, more than ever before, I've been reminded by God's Holy Spirit that I had better be sure of who I am in Christ and that any influencing that I do had better be to influence people towards the Lord Jesus. Now, considering the impact of the Internet with all of its attending contributors, Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and all those other multitudes of websites, folks, the Internet has for this generation become the most influential source of information imaginable. By hiding comfortably behind their computer screens, bloggers and YouTubers and other influencers can be, or at least they can pretend to be, anyone they want to be. No one is there to question them. They're hiding comfortably behind their computer screen. And they're pretending to be the very best of who they would want to be in this matter that they're trying to influence you or me towards. But for us who might then choose to follow them, we won't really know whether those influences are the real thing or if they're just wannabes. 
we often will never know the difference. May I also give us a circumstance to consider involving whether we are the real thing or just one of these. And it's one that I experienced personally. It involves a social opportunity that I had to attend and to enjoy a speech at a $1,000 a plate fundraising dinner during George W. Bush's first campaign for the presidency back in 2000. Now, sitting around a table with other men in gray suits and pinstripe suits, I probably looked very much like them. A wealthy contributor that could give far more than the $1,000 that it cost for this plate to assure that George W. Bush got elected. But folks, even though I might have looked very much like those other men, I really was not one of them. I really was not one of them. My gray suit came out of a clothing contribution box at French camp. And my $1,000 a plate of food was sponsored by one of our gracious board members. And folks, that sort of opportunity and circumstance took place on other occasions. My wife and I, one time attending a Super Bowl game and eating in the very finest of restaurants in New Orleans. And it seemed really relatively easy to blend in with a group and to look very much like the real thing. But the reality was, I was not really like those other folks. At best, I was nothing more than just a wannabe. So then, where do these stories lead us as it relates to our Bible text for today? It's this. Across our nation and across our world today, there are many, many people living within a world of illusion. Yes, doing real things and living real lives, but participating in an illusion of what they want to be. Not what they are, but what they want to be. And unfortunately, it's obvious that that same illusion is taking place within many people who each week sit comfortably within the pews of many of our Christian churches each Sunday. They're fully participating in all that's taking place, doing similar things to the other people, the other worshipers, singing songs and saying amen at the proper times, sometimes even perhaps raising their hands in worship. But the sad truth is that they are not really the same. They might want to be the real thing, but they're not. They're just wannabes, wannabe Christians. And even more, unfortunately, most of them don't know that they're not the real thing. It's so sad. Theirs is only a hopeful illusion. But you and I, listen, you and I, from these words, we know that we cannot allow such things as these to be the reality of our lives. We must never allow ourselves or our families to get caught up in all the ways and the behaviors of this world, becoming pretending wannabes. And that's especially so as it concerns our relationship with Christ, our intimate personal relationship with Christ. All of those other things, activities of this world and this life, they're temporary. Yes, perhaps important, but they're temporary. But folks, not so our Christian lives. The things of God are eternal and they hold eternal consequences. So above all else, you and I must never allow ourselves to believe that we're the real thing as a Christian, if in fact we're not. 
Listen to these words of warning from the Lord Jesus given to us in Matthew chapter 7. Here he says to us, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not, he's saying here, didn't I say all those Christian words to other people? Wasn't I good at saying all those, having all of that Christian talk? He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do many mighty works in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Folks, these words are some of the most fearsome words ever spoken by the Lord Jesus. And as we said a moment ago, some, perhaps many, of the people who are sitting within church pews today are in this condition. But they don't know it. They don't know it. They're going to church faithfully every Sunday. But they've settled somehow into an accepted condition of make-believe Christianity. And have gone no further. Yes, they walked the aisle and they said some words. But their lifestyle does not bear it out. For the most part, those folks really want to be Christians but have somehow gotten off onto a wrong path, that path that these scriptures call the broad path that leads to destruction. And how could that happen? How can that happen? How is it that some people who seem earnestly to desire the salvation that Christ offers, they reach only a certain level of belief and they go no further? How is it that they get a brief taste of the Christian life but never really become the real thing? Their condition, in many ways, seems similar to those first three soils in the parable of the sower. You recall that parable? Having the seeds of salvation being sown within their heart. And in that third soil, even believing for a while, but still wanting all the treasures that are offered to them by the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so they get up from their pew on Sunday morning and they go out into the real world, they call it. And they do the same things they did before they ever walked that aisle and said that prayer. They never have quite entered into the door of salvation. Or if they have, if they have actually been saved, then they're barely inside that door of salvation. But they go no further. They get on about the daily business in front of them. And it doesn't include a walk with Christ. And Jesus gives us more of the answer to that question here in this passage. Sometimes along our journey towards our Christian life, we fall in behind and we begin to follow blind guides. Blind guides, trusted counselors who themselves don't know the way. Unfortunately, folks, for a good number of us, it's often the case that our first misguidance or at least our lack of guidance, begins within our own homes from our dearly beloved parents. If they themselves don't have an intimate relationship with Christ, then they have no ability to encourage and direct and instruct us in our life, in our Christian life. And so from our earliest age, it becomes a case of the blind leading the blind. 
That was so in my own family with my dear father. And most unfortunately, the same misguidance is also present within many of our church settings. As our hearts are first being drawn to Christ, church and church leaders are our first hope. And so we go there. But if those church leaders don't themselves really know the truth, if they are not the real thing, then once again it becomes a case of the blind leading the blind. Verse 39, and he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? Folks, I don't go to many other churches except this one, but I do follow some of them on the Internet, on YouTube especially. And I see of these blind guides, people who proclaim themselves to be preachers. There's no evidence that they themselves know Christ. And so they are then blind, and they're leading the blind. In Jesus' day, those blind guides were the scribes and the Pharisees. And as I mentioned just a moment ago, we have our own version in our day of those scribes and Pharisees. And they really do fill so many of the pulpits and the boards of deacons and the elders of so many of our denominations. Blind guides leading the way. And then also, here in verse 40 of our passage, we see the necessity for discipleship to quickly follow along after a person first gives their heart to Christ. We can get just inside the doorway to salvation. And we need someone like this, a discipler. He says here in verse 40, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Listen, there is such a great danger for a person who just gets this taste of the truths of Christ, get just inside the door of salvation. But they don't have someone, another person who's more seasoned in their faith to come along beside them and to disciple them. They have only a bare understanding of the truths of God. And let me assure you, to have only a bare understanding of the truths of God is not enough. It's not enough to carry us through all the difficulties of our day as we get out there in that workforce. Now again, unfortunately, this is where so many of the wannabe Christians settle in. And they go no further because they don't have a discipler, a teacher to disciple them. And as we see in these next words, as folks would settle into this new Christianity of theirs and they don't know what real truth is, They seem to be able to be the first to proudly then criticize others. They're willing to argue points of Scripture that they don't understand because they didn't study them themselves. Listen to these words, verse 41. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that's in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that's in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. In these words, the Lord Jesus calls wannabe Christians hypocrites. A hypocrite is a person who pretends to be something that they're not. May I again emphasize the importance of our clearly understanding who we are in Christ. When we are truly in Christ and not just a wannabe, The Holy Spirit helps us to realize our utter need for humility, 
both towards Christ, but also and especially towards those other people that we are jumping so quickly to criticize and see the specks in their eyes. The need for humility is one of Jesus' most important instructions. He tells us in Matthew chapter 11, he says, Come to me, come to me all you who are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am humble and lowly of heart. Folks, the pride that brings us to a critical spirit towards others goes away as we begin to give up who we mistakenly think we are. And we begin to be who the Lord Jesus really wants us to be. I can't stress this enough. We must not allow ourselves to settle into a condition of a want to be. And this is what the Lord is saying to us in those verses that I read earlier where he said, test yourself. How do you spend free moments of your day? Do you study scripture? Do you go to Bible studies? Do you produce within your own heart this desire to want to know more about Christ? Or are you just busy? Are you just busy with the things of the day? And then as a result, suddenly it's Sunday and you're back in that pew, not knowing any more than you did the previous Sunday. He's saying to us, don't be that way. We must not allow ourselves to settle into that kind of condition. This new person that you and I have become in Christ must be allowed to grow and to thrive in him. And if we do that, we'll not only ourselves thrive, then we'll be able to help and influence others to thrive also. Listen to these words beginning in verse 43. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from a thorn bush, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, listen, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Folks, we truly do need to examine ourselves carefully and to know who we truly are in Christ. Are we, am I, the real thing? Or are we just a wannabe? Yes, inside the doorway to salvation, yes, we're going to go to heaven, but that's as far as we get. That's as far as we go because we get busy with other things. As these words tell us, Others can see us, folks. Others can see us, and they know what our behavior shows to them. Do they see a good tree, or do they see a bad tree? What do they hear coming out of our mouths? Are we one of the ones described here in these words as being a good person with a good heart? Are you one of these that the Lord has described here? Am I one of these? Am I a good person with a good heart? Folks, we really need so very much to be that good person that Jesus speaks about here. And why? It's because, listen, we really are influencers. You and I are influencers, influencing other people daily, whether we know it or not. That person we're working beside or we're visiting with. And as Jesus tells us here in these last few words of this passage, the good person 
out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. This is real truth, folks. As you and I speak, our mouths reveal the truth about who we really are. And so, I exhort each of us to carefully consider who we are in Christ and to know our responsibility to Christ and to know the responsibility that we have towards others as we strive to influence them. These words again, and we'll close. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. May we pray.